Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Matt Drinkon. Welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast, where we like to look at stories told by amazing human beings who have achieved some level of success in their lives. And and not all successful people uh, have had it easy. And our guest today is going to share some of those challenges that have happened in her life in order that she wants to serve the world. And we will get to her mission and vision in a moment. But we're going to share some hope today. We're going to share the mentality that you can do it too. We're going to talk about resilience today. We're going to talk about confidence. We're going to talk about how you overcome boardroom and workplace toxicity. We may even have some stories today about being a business owner. And I think you may even have some stories today, Dr. Bernthal, about Afghanistan, some personal things there. I'm going to introduce to you now someone I've had a delightful time getting to know over the past six months in a couple of communities and ways that we've been connected. My guest today is Dr. Lizzie Bernthal, live from the UK. Lizzie, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, a real pleasure. I'd ask you this. You're so excited to be here. What has you fired up to be here today, Lizzie? I just love sharing that we're all awesome. That's my biggest message. We have everything within us. So here we go. Dr. Lizzie, I'd like to ask you to take us back to a time in your life where there was some challenge that you were facing. And I know that there were some things that you faced early on in life that may have been challenging uh, that tested your resilience early. So if you could take us back and start the story wherever you'd like, and we're all ears. Yeah, I don't remember this bit, but one thing I will start is I was born at 28 weeks with a 5% chance of survival. What? Wow. Yes. So I think, obviously, I was lying in an incubator with no treatment or anything. I think that set up my determination to grab life because, obviously, I'm here 62 years later. So that was where I think my first term being determined started. I think as the other situation, the point was when I was seven, I did have suffered some abuse. Now, it wasn't from anything to do with my family. But at that moment, my father couldn't know how to deal with it. Now, because he didn't know how to deal with it and pushed it under the carpet, that set up my belief, I believe, that I'm not good enough. Okay. And I think this is what happens with most of us. Also, the other little stories, which I've now on pick, because this is what I do with my clients, is that we used to go to church every Sunday. And every Sunday, my mother used to say to me, stay quiet and I'll give you a present. So I was rewarded for staying quiet, Mm. which is no wonder why later on I didn't want to speak up at a meeting. What I do now is I'm really passionate that we've all got these stories from childhood that might not even be significant as far as we remember them. But however, they have a very significant impact on our future. Absolutely. Because we then go through life with these lenses on, I'm not good enough. And we collect evidence everywhere 
that we're not good enough. It could be that we didn't pass a maths exam. It could be that our first relationship didn't work. It could be that we didn't get our first job interview. And that starts building up this story, I'm not good enough, even though we're not aware of this software that's playing in the background. That's right. I didn't figure some of these things you're sharing until I got coached on it in my mid-30s, now in my early 40s. So I'm glad that you're taking us back and sharing that it can all start at a very young age, this thinking pattern, and it's playing in the background. We don't even realize it sometimes. So yeah, please take us forward from Sunday church. and Yeah. So that was a story I wasn't even realized I was making up. And consequently, I used to be really frightened of speaking up. And I remember even at school, when I was head of house, I was absolutely terrified if I had to speak to the house at school. And I hated speaking in class. I hated putting my hand up. And so then I became a nurse. And I loved, what I loved was supporting patients, of course. And I found myself giving them a voice. I'd fight for their corner against the doctor, for example, if there was a situation going going on. Or I would be really doing my best to get them the best care or whatever it was. And actually looking back on it in the playground, I used to be bullied a bit at school because I was very fat and that wasn't pleasant. However, I also used to fight for the ones that also were having that thing situation going on. So I realized now as an adult that I had a really strong sense of justice from the moment I was born. These things doesn't feel right. That's as a child, you don't know about justice or any other. This doesn't feel right. Right, I've got to do something about this. So throughout my career, then I became a midwife. And of course, I, I was absolutely passionate about supporting women having their children. And again, the same thing, really supporting them. And then I went to Hong Kong, which is amazing. I love living in the Far East and worked as a midwife I'm there. And that was very interesting because all different cultures. And what was interesting about working in different cultures is certain cultures are not prepared to fight their corner because they feel that there's a hierarchy around them and they just accept what they're told. Really? So in Hong Kong, you felt that there's different hierarchical cultures? I was working in a British hospital out there, but we okay. obviously we had different cult coming into the hospital. And it was really fascinating. I was in my early 20s then. So it was my first experience of working lots of different cultures. And I realized that certain cultures, they see those of authority as a sort of a higher power. Okay. And this was obviously in the 80s. I'm not saying it happens now, but therefore they wouldn't question. Okay. Because they felt by definition, you had the authority, therefore you knew all the the answers. Yes. So that was a really interesting time to encourage them to question. Don't believe everything you're told. Oh, that really hits home nowadays, especially in the last few years with all the COVID and all the vaccine stuff. And who do you believe now? Yeah, I'm totally with you. Growing up, I believe the doctor and my nurses, and I pretty much did what they said. I live here in the US, but now I'm more apt to question Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Lizzie, why did you become a nurse in the first place, Lizzie? A good question. It's interesting. My mother was a nurse and actually I was eighth generation army, but my parents never put any pressure on me to join the army. So I was always going to be a nurse. I don't know whether it's my mother and my godmother were nurses. It was just something I just was always going to do. There was never anything else I was going to do. Even from a small child, I was going to be a nurse. And actually looking back on it, there were more limited options in those days. And the other thing that was interesting was when I was at school, I was told I wasn't intelligent enough for university. So be a nurse. And so I went to nurse. Absolutely. But I had great satisfaction a few years ago going back to my school saying, oh, by the way, I've got a PhD, a distinction in my master's and a first class honours. So yes, maybe I was okay to go to university. 
it's, it's fascinating how these childhood stories get in our head and then we go into school and someone makes a decision, they make a judgment on us that this person may not be smart enough to do this. So let's not promote them or let's not give them that chance. And now come to look at it, you have the PhD, the master's with distinction. And I've heard you speak in communities where you are the keynote and you are coaching and teaching resilience and confidence. So it's just fascinating that back whatever it is you've done now, dear listener, there is a chance to change, to evolve, or there's a chance to keep evolving your game. But Dr. Lizzie's great at this. So that's my plug. Please continue. So never believe what you're told. And remember that anybody gives you a limiting answer. That is coming from their place, not you. And actually, I think the other thing that I've always had a philosophy is that every challenge is a learning opportunity. And whereas if somebody puts a challenge in front of me, I just ask, how do I need to jump to get over it? I think it's going with that mindset of let's just grab every opportunity and see where it lands. Because I would never want to be in the rocking chair regretting that I've not done something. So we all have opportunities that if we're open to are extraordinary. But so often we have that fear that blocks us and we get our ego inside our heads, those gremlins that say, oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are, et cetera, et cetera. And then we think, okay, well, forget it. I won't do it. So I won't follow my dream because who do I think I am that I'm going to achieve mm-hmm. that? I felt that a number of times in my life as well. I think a lot of us, probably everyone has that inner critic or doubter at some point. So when did you notice that in you when you had that? I didn't actually notice it. Just later on, I noticed the evidence. So it wasn't a moment where I thought, I'm just going to grab everything. I think actually looking back on it, I did create opportunities just by when I studied for my PhD. At the time, nurses were not funded for PhDs. And again, my sense of justice kicked in. I thought that was wrong. If doctors are funded, nurses must be too. So I put up a case that nurses must be funded for reputational risk. And if they were going to fund it, I was going to be the first one. And then when I left the army, it was so amazing that they were funding a nurse every single year for a PhD. So that's another tip I would share with your listeners is that it wasn't until my dining out, my final dinner, somebody came up to me and said, do you really the legacy you have created, that undertaking a PhD is now the norm. And it never occurred to me. I just did what I did. So that's another real message for all of you who are listening. We can be creating a legacy right now that we don't even know we're creating. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm going to add to your name, Trailblazer, asker of questions, because you challenged the norm, you kept asking questions. And now the legacy is you've started this snowball going downhill, turning into a boulder. So it's fantastic. Okay, please continue. Yes. So as far as resilience goes, I think that was only latterly working as a midwife and a nurse and all that kind of stuff. And then I was fascinated about well-being. And actually, one of my military posts was head of health promotion, of which got really fascinated about the impact of nutrition. I think the other thing about when you're in the army is sleep is an activity. So when you deploy, which is obviously can be very intense, we all know we need sleep to perform. That's why they perceive mm-hmm. sleep as an activity. What I find really fascinating, this is a bit of a sidetrack, in Japan, they see when they go to bed at the beginning of their day. 
because how you sleep is going to set you up for success for the next day. So it's like your night is setting up for your next day. So they start their day. It's obviously at nighttime, but they start their view of the day is going to bed because that is what's going to set you up for success. I love this. This is a tiny tweak in the lens that I personally use when I think about my day. All right, so to think that your day starts with your sleep, I think it starts when I wake up. And I like the frame of getting the the optimal day starts with the optimal sleep. So it's a slightly different frame. I appreciate that. You said something a second ago that really piqued my curiosity because I also had a grandmother who was a nurse. My mother has a high empathy and she was a teacher and always wanting to serve people. You talked about things can get intense. And I've always been curious to ask a nurse, what's your relationship like with like blood and guts and pain and screaming and all the stuff that just makes my stomach go a little queasy? When you say intense, I think about like the birthing, like that was super intense when I saw my kids born and I could not do that every day because that's that's just like super intense to me. So when you say intense, what is intense for a military nurse? What does that mean to you? Yeah, intense means where you're really having to think for the moment, whether okay. it's in a casual situation or whether it's literally, as you say, if you've had children, that moment where somebody's about to give birth, it can be if it doesn't go well, we have to react really quickly to stop any disaster happening. So that's why I call intense. But I think also the other thing about deployments is that you are on all the time. I mean, obviously, we do have to sleep, otherwise we wouldn't perform. But it is an intense six months because you obviously don't get home, you're there. And we think every day you're working. And there are moments of quietness, of course, but there are moments when it's very busy and it's you have to be on the top of your game and support your team to be on the top of their game as well. Yes. How do you train your mind to be that present and that on top of your game in those highly stressful, like intense situations, Lizzie? I think it is literally training. Another incident, which was before I was in the army, which was interesting, I was trekking in Nepal. I was doing the medical cover for a school trip in Nepal, tripping the Himalayas, and we got caught in an avalanche. What? And oh, my God. The irony of it all was that we were up to 18,000 feet. The risk of snow avalanche was very great. It was decided that we would come down the mountain to avoid the avalanche, and then we got hit by a rock avalanche on our way down. What? Yeah. At the time, I just thought, that's it. Everybody's dead. I think my nursing training kicked in because the poor leader of the group just suddenly just fell apart thinking he'd killed his whole group. And I just came into this thought in my head of we always shared the same. We were all in, in tents. We were in pairs. And I was just going by tent, shouting out the names, not expecting anyone to respond. And everybody responded. And I thought, oh, my God, that's incredible. They're all alive. And it just instantaneously came into me and I think when you've had that level of training of dealing in a crisis it's amazing how you can just step up it just he seems instinct take control if there's no control happening Yes. And I totally try to put myself in the situation because it sounds so intense. When you look up, what do you see in a rock avalanche? What are you visually seeing around you right now? Yeah. So what happened was we were very lucky. It was the only time in the day we were all together at lunchtime because normally it's quite challenging terrain. We were probably straggled over about a mile or so with people going ahead. And we had various staff between everyone so that we knew where everybody was. And it was the only time in the day where all of us would collect. And we just literally heard this rumbling. It sounded like thunder. 
I thought, that's weird because we've got a really clear blue sky and the sun's shining and it's very hot. And then somebody in the group said, run. And they started seeing the mountain coming oh, down God. over the top of us. Oh, oh, oh. So adrenaline kicked in and we all of us sprinted. We didn't know where we were sprinting. It was just the adrenaline just hit. And I remember it was the only time of the day we ever had our boots off just to give some air to our feet because it was hot and it was shrapnel everywhere. And I remember looking down the ground thinking, oh, my God, if anybody survives, their feet is going to be cut to shred. And I saw this little rock, this sort of ravine just ahead, which had a cover over. And a group of us just went to that. And then we were just about to come out of it. And then another trip of rock came down. I thought, if they haven't hit the first one, they'll definitely be hit for the second. And then when it seemed to quieten down, that's when I came out and I just started shouting everyone's names and everybody replied. Everyone was okay, which was amazing, except one of the sherpas who had a head injury because he went down as we went across. But that no one had a scratch on their foot. It was extraordinary. Yeah. Wow. I cannot imagine a, a mountain coming down on top of you, man. And then the funny thing was, we got back to Kathmandu and there was a coup. So we thought, this is a memorable experience. After you survived the rock avalanche, you got back and the government had collapsed. There was a coup. Wow. (laughs) That was even before I joined the army. Yeah, so all I'm really sure is that we have resources within us that we never realize. And that is what resilience is all about. It's not finding the resources within you that you didn't even realize you had. So we all talk about overcoming adversity. It's actually getting through the adversity, not avoiding it and trusting yourself. That's why confidence and resilience are so connected because confidence is all about trust. It's trusting ourselves. It's trusting others that we can come up to the mark. And whereas resilience is the adversity. So we have to trust ourselves that we're going to get through whatever that adversity is. That's brilliant. Thank you. I'd love to move forward a little bit and kind of look at your mission now. You retired and you moved from nursing and now you are a, a leader and a resilience coach and keynote speaker and an authority on this subject. So I'd love to go to that transition and why did you choose to go into what you do now? So tell us what you do now and why you made that transition, yeah. Lizzie. So it was a massive change in the fact of running a business from having never known anything about business before. (laughs) I didn't even know what marketing was. But anyway, that's a whole other story. And I'd never posted on social media. So anyway, it was a big standing start. However, in my last post, I was head of resilience research. So when I studied my PhD, I was looking at psychological well-being and resilience. So I became really interested in resilience and what it is and how it shows up. And I looked at the impact of army life on the wife, because it generally is a wife left behind during deployment when it was at its peak in Afghanistan where soldiers were being killed on a weekly basis. So I looked at how they got through that. And that to me highlighted what resilience really means. So then I started researching it and obviously then was awarded my PhD. And so I carried on looking at resilience. And so my last military post, I was senior lecturer in resilience and wellbeing and nursing. So I was used to speaking, researching, traveling around the world. I was head of global nursing for military nursing to help them with their confidence and their resilience and their empowerment. So the stuff I was doing was exactly similar to what I do now. Obviously, business is a whole different ballgame. But I think to answer your question in a long-winded way, how I got to focus on ending workplace toxicity is that the Army is an extraordinary organization. I've seen extraordinary leaders. However, you change jobs every two years. A lot of my boss, I felt, 
felt a victim, but I didn't even realize I was a victim. And one day I did have a tricky boss, as it always seemed to have the tricky bosses. And then one day in April 2015, I had just had enough. I just said, this has to stop. And I stood up in that ballroom and I said, this has to stop. And that moment, what? while I've been supporting nurses where they're empowerment, actually, when I was back in the office, I didn't feel I had my voice. And that day was an extraordinary day because I literally stood up, said my piece. I felt more empowered than ever done in my life. And all these words came out of me. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't angry. It was powerful. It was assertive. And I just felt this sense of empowerment I'd never felt before. And that was the moment I said, that's it. This has to stop. When I leave the army, this is my mission. I don't want anyone to have to go through the stuff that I've been through. This is why I'm so passionate to help leaders, business owners own who they are and get so we get rid of the toxicity simply by the fact that you don't let it bother you because you own who you are. You have that confidence and the resilience and your energy is completely different. So no one messes with you. So you don't get exposed to it. You just don't tolerate it. Wow. What was the straw that broke the camel's back that finally caused you to get up and say this has to stop in that boardroom? Yes, because my boss undermined me one more time. He'd sent me to do this research project, which I'd been spending six weeks of a very intense research project. And the night before the meeting, he had just completely undermined me. He'd sent out his own questionnaire, which had completely destroyed all my research. And in fact, it wasn't great. It had to be pulled because it was not good. So in one email, he'd potentially destroyed the whole reputation that I'd spent three years setting up. That was it. And I just thought this had to stop. And what was interesting at that meeting was I did warn people before the meeting that I was going to say something. And they said, great, fantastic. Somebody's going to say something. We'll all support you. Of course, when I stood up, they all pretended they weren't there. They looked down at their papers. And I thought, which actually reinforced me even more, ignited my passion that I was in a room with people that did not want to own this or take any part of it, completely ignoring. And so that was why I set my mission. Wow amazing transformation story to light the mission on fire and to get into it. So can you take us forward here into your business? What was that first year or two? I think you've been in business for nearly seven years now. Nearly six years. Yeah. Nearly six. Okay. Nearly six. So what was that first year like as someone on a mission, passion and learning the business ropes for the first time like this? It was interesting because I never intended to have a business, ironically. So before I left the army, I was headhunted by a consultancy who said, wow, it's amazing. We want you to work for us. We will give you all the work. We'll put you in nice hotels, et cetera, et cetera. We'll tell you where to speak. We'll tell you where you're coaching. I thought, wonderful. Perfect. My perfect role. But I can do what I love. I haven't got to get involved in the business at all. And I'll just go where you send me. Marvellous. Well, this is bearing in mind, this was in 2019, before COVID. And then, of course, everything just stopped. Nothing happened. And the consultancy just seemed to disappear. And I thought, oh, okay. Do you mean I've got to create my own clients? Oh, my goodness. I've got no idea how I do that. So I did start learning about marketing and so forth and did lots of programs. And actually, in UK, we went into lockdown on the 23rd of March, 2020. And I thought, I've got to help. I've just got to do something here. I was getting a real sense of overwhelm. And we were all going through it. Well, I was going through it. If I'm going through it and I've got some resources here, there are some out there who haven't got the knowledge I've got. So I've got to share it. So 
having never really been online before, I found out what Eventbrite was. I found about Zoom and I created my first event on the 8th of April and from overwhelmed to calm and all for free because I just want to add value. I started posting on social media, posting little tips, posting little videos and yeah, just built on from there really. Wow. So again, in the middle of the fire, when you're starting the business and then COVID happens and everything is shut down, you pivoted, responded with your resilience training and you found a way to make it happen and you just start adding value. Yeah. And that's all I'm about. I'm not into likes and all this stuff because I post four days a week on LinkedIn. I do LinkedIn lives and other platforms as well. My mission is if it just helps one person job done. That's all all I want to do. Dr. Lizzie, can you tell us a little bit about, how do we find more about you and what kind of offer do we have for our listeners? Thank you so much. The offer I have is that I offer a resilience scorecard, which takes two minutes to complete. It's a few questions, very easy, yes or no. And it's no overthinking, just what comes straight up in your head, because that's how our intuition works, highlighting that we don't need our ego to tell us we can't do it. 20 questions, it takes two minutes, and then I can give some personal tips to you according to your answers. So that's the resilience scorecard. I also do a free session every Monday, 12.30 UK time. So that's probably five hours back depending on where in America you are and that's a 45 minute session free on zoom all about leadership resilience confidence tips to share that you can put in place straight away Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn and I think I'm the only Lizzie Bernthal so if you search my name you'll find me and I'd love to engage with you and then my business is called release your potential so my business is www.rypotential.co.uk and I'm on Facebook or anything you YouTube, just search my name and hopefully stuff will come up for you. And as far as who would benefit, I think all of us need a bit of boost resilience. But I think the people I really love working with, particularly, and I have great influence, is those that are lacking confidence, who know that their team tell them they're inspiring. The team see them as amazing, but they don't see themselves as amazing. They might have missed out on promotion because they haven't got the confidence to go for the promotion or they didn't show up powerfully in the interview. Or if you're a business owner, it's just you find that you could be creating more than you're creating. And I have clients who've had their best month in business in 12 years that they've got others if they're employed they've been headhunting for the most amazing roles simply because they're showing up with impact and influence passion and presence and that is all within our gift we have it all within us but sometimes it just takes a conversation to realize it Fantastic. I appreciate what you've shared here. And I'm just going to go on a rant here for a moment, listeners, because Dr. Lizzie and I, for the past roughly about 11 minutes, we've been having some tech stuff. I'm talking to a resilience expert today. And as I do this, we are having like major frustrations and challenges with tech stuff. And the other thing I would say about resilience is we hear a lot about bouncing back. It's never bouncing back. It's always bouncing forward because we're never the same person that we were before that takes place. We've grown, we've shined. And even if we feel we haven't shined, we've got through it. And therefore, as a result of getting through that, then we have boosted our resilience, boosted our confidence to realize that we can get through things that we never imagined that we could. COVID being a really good example of this. We would never have imagined we would have had to go through mm-hmm. what we did. And yet we're still here. We're still shining and we're still making impact. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your perspective so far today, Dr. Lizzie, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, I think it's time to progress to the lightning round. And for listeners out there, a real testament to our own resilience because we're typing back and forth on the chat. 
let's go to the lightning round. So question number one, can you recommend one to three books that have had an impact on you? Oh, so many books. I think the books that I would really highlight. The first thing is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And that is a really powerful book, no matter where you are, with your business and not in business. I think it helps you focus on the one thing you need to do right now. But we have so many things that we feel we can do, and then we end up doing none of them. And a classic, I think it was Convictus or someone said, if you chase two rabbits, you miss both. So that's The One Thing, which is a really great book. The other book, which I love by Michael Singer, is The Surrender Experiment. And this is an amazing book. It's a story of how he surrendered, not as in giving up, actually, okay, I'll just go with it trust the process and where he wanted to be in a little field somewhere not doing much he then had a multi-million pounds I don't know how much his business for 300 million or some crazy crazy amount okay the universe God whatever you believe in is giving me this opportunity I'm just going to grab it surrender to the process and just see what happens so that is a really powerful book and the other book is Untamed and that's by Glennon Doyle and that's all about finding who you really are we become these people that others want to to be. And once you find who you are, everything changes. And I totally believe, and this is my story, not the book, but I totally believe fitting in is the opposite of belonging. Because if we fit in, we become that chameleon. We try to do what other people want us to do. We can only belong to ourselves. And then everything changes because we own our ground. And this book is an amazing story of how one day she realized all the stuff that she thought she should do, all the shoulds, the kind of have the children and get married, have a good career, was not who she was. And she then followed a different path, which was absolutely in line with her truest essence. So they're really inspiring books that you can read on the train where you're traveling, whatever. So yeah, they're my top three for the moment. But every month I have a different top three because I read more and more. I think, wow, this is now my best book. And this is now my best book. So yes, I hope your readers enjoy it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Let's move to music then. Is there an artist or song? Great question <laughs> about music. Now, it's a bit old hat now, but when I used to do my presentations before COVID and my keynotes and, and so forth, I used to play at top volume, Heather Small, What Have You Done Today to Feel Proud? Because it's just an inspiring song. And I encourage all my clients to think before they go to sleep at night, what's the one thing today that you're proud of? Because we so dismiss stuff. We just dismiss the little things we do every day that are having a massive impact. So that's the song. And I think the other song, because I'm a bit of a Take That fan, which also shows my age, is Rule the World. Because if every single one of us has the opportunity to make a massive difference, and collectively, we really can make it a better place. I think this is pretty phenomenal this conversation we're having because we're having it as I'm typing to the chat to her the questions because our internet and our tech is just a real challenge at the moment. So thank you, Dr. Lizzie, for doing this. So last question, this is the eternal optimist. What might eternal optimist mean to you, Lizzie? Uh, okay, so boom, I typed it to her. Let's see what she has to say. Yeah, great question. What does the internal optimist mean to me? Well, I think it just means to me, we have always a flip side. And what I mean by that is that anything that happens to us, we can flip it to something positive. Even the most adverse situation, we can flip that to what am I learning from this? How can I learn from this? How can I take this forward? So I would hope I am the internal optimist because I always believe that we are just tapping on a tiny bit of our possibility. 
opportunity and our potential. So the more opportunities we get and everything has learning in it and everything we can switch to something really positive.